0: We hope that many of you will do that to create some room in the 10:30. and uh, yeah, now give your attention to my lovely wife who's going to teach us today. so Thank you. Okay, so we're reading from Matthew 6, and I've got the passion translation on the screen, so you can follow along on your phones or on the screen or whatever version you like best. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Is there more to life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at all the birds. Do you think that they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your, fa- your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to, to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil, and yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was roped in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time, and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need, even though you live with such little faith? So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Um, So reading this, my first thought was that in this passage, Jesus is dealing with some pretty basic things. Food, drink, clothing. These are very real needs, and I know that there's people around the world who lack clean water, and there's people in our own city who don't know where their next meal will come from. But for most of us, these aren't things that we spend a lot of time worrying about. I know the Sermon on the Mount has been um, pretty challenging week by week, and we finally get an easy win, right? Um, So if the command is simply, don't worry about food, water, and clothing, we can check the box and head out to brunch. But like most of Jesus' words, this is simple, but it's not easy. I think most of us would agree that worry, anxiety, fear, and depression are major concerns facing our culture today. The American Psychiatric Association's national anxiety score was a 51 out of 100 in 2008, and that was up five points from the year before. According to a survey from Pew Research, 70% of teens say anxiety and depression is a major problem among their peers. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental health disorder in the US, affecting 20 to 30% of Americans. And it's not just young people. Baby boomers' anxiety score jumped the most between, um, between 2017 and 2018. But still, millennials, like myself, win the prize. Recent studies have declared millennials, especially women, the most anxious generation in history. We are really in the midst of an epidemic, and it's an anxiety epidemic. (laughs) Before I jump in, I want to give a bit of a disclaimer. Um, I think in the past, the church has really struggled to talk about and deal with mental health. I think for a lot of people, the only answer they got from the church was that every problem is a spiritual problem. So if you're struggling, then you don't have enough faith. And I just want to say, that's a lie. (laughs) Um, sometimes people who love God and follow Jesus with their whole heart just suffer due to physiological or psychological disabilities that are beyond their control. Um, so what I hope to do today is just provide a biblical framework for a holistic view of this issue that encourages, encourages you to pursue spiritual, emotional, and physical health. Um, I read this from a psychologist and professor. He said, As a clinical psychologist, I've often treated people with anxiety, And people wonder, practically, individually, and clinically, why are people anxious? And I think that's a completely ridiculous question. The reasons for anxiety are starkly self-evident. What I wonder is, why aren't people terrified out of their skulls so badly every second of their life that they can't even move? He continues, you all laugh because you understand that. Anxiety? That's no mystery. Brief spells of calm. That's a mystery. So on the one hand, if... One in five, up to one in three of us will struggle with anxiety. We should be able to talk openly about it. On the other hand, if brief spells of calm are the real mystery, then what does that say about the world that we live in? I think the way we think about anxiety and worry and how we try to manage it reveals a lot about our assumptions of human purpose and identity. So the world has a few different responses that we can take to anxiety. The first is resignation, I think is really aptly described in his comments. It says that anxiety is just a normal response to living in this kind of world. So just resign yourself to being anxious. You can't control it, so just surrender to fate and cope with it as best as you can, but don't expect it to change. Um, The message here is that I can't. You can't do anything about it. It's justified because of our circumstances and the world we live in. Um, it's just part of life. I think the second response the world offers is responsibility. Um, I came across an article by this guy. who wrote, um, win your inner battles. And he talks about the dangers of worry and what it does to our bodies. So worry increases cortisol levels, the stress hormone, um, linked to diabetes, osteoporosis, heart disease, and a lot of other undesirable things. And so he agrees there is an enemy, but his view is that the enemy is actually within us. And the solution is to approach it head on, take a practical approach, make a list, combat worry by going within yourself. So he turns worry into a constructive process where we can find the solution to all of our problems. He writes that he doesn't worry anymore because he trusts in his ability to handle everything that life throws at him. He says, no matter what happens, trust in your ability to address it and start now. So this is the responsibility approach. It's like, you can handle it, trust yourself. It says, I can. And so you're striving to do it by finding the solutions to all of your concerns and problems. And it kind of seems like the healthier response a little bit. Um, So you're taking personal responsibility, you're coming up with a plan, you're going to be the healthiest, best you possible, and you're going to do it now. Um, But there's a lot of things that we just can't control. And what about the problems that we can't solve with our intellect or money or willpower or connections or even our beliefs? And can I just say, I think this response is not just a way that Christians have dealt with worry and anxiety. It's a way that we've dealt with sin and brokenness and addiction. And I don't think there's a biblical basis for this. Um, it's caused a lot of hurt to people who feel like they just can't cut it. So I, I was that person. Um, throughout you know high school and college, I constantly felt like a failure because I had sin patterns in my life that I just couldn't fix in my own strength. And I thought I should be able to because... I believed the right things and I accepted Jesus in my heart and I knew all the right answers to all of the Sunday school questions, but I just hadn't experienced the power of the living God to transform me. God never tells us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. So if you've ever felt like you weren't a good Christian or you didn't have enough faith because you couldn't keep everything together on your own, I believe God wants to release you from that today. I believe Jesus wants you to know what he meant when he said that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Because yes, Jesus offers us another way. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is the way that Jesus offers it's release and to receive. So he offers this as, as this exchange where we recognize that we can trust him with our anxieties. We release them to God in prayer, humbly and with thanksgiving, affirming his promises to us and asking for him to meet our needs. And he promises that in this divine exchange, when we give up our worries, we receive peace. Divine, unexplainable peace. This response to anxiety recognizes that we do have an enemy, but it is not within us. We are not our own worst enemy. Satan is our enemy, and we cannot defeat him just by changing the way we think about our problems. Our enemy was defeated by Christ's death on the cross and resurrection. He's not flesh and blood, but I think he's out to destroy us. And for a lot of us, I believe he uses our fear and anxiety, especially the fear of man, to keep us stuck. And that responsibility lie. Um, there's a type of anxiety called performance anxiety, and it's not just a feel, fear of failing. It's anxiety that others will see our failures and judge us for it. It's the belief that if others see our failure, it will r- reveal to them and to us that we are worthless. And when I speak about performance anxiety, I'm not just talking about the band who's going to come back up soon or even about myself or whoever might be speaking on a given Sunday. I'm talking about the pressure that comes from if you've grown up in the church and you know all the right things and you know and you believe the truth of who God is and who Jesus is, but you're still trying to eke out your salvation and your sanctification by your own grit and determination and willpower. I'm talking about keeping up the facade of being a good Christian even when you have hidden sin or life just feels out of control. I read in, I think it's on here, (laughs) Relevant Magazine, this article by Brenda Chu, and she said, if you insist on being a good Christian, you will never get on your way to experiencing a real life of faith. The pursuit to be a good Christian is an illegitimate quest. You must be a bad Christian or no Christian at all. When we trade the facade of being a good Christian and humble ourselves before God, he will meet us. First Peter five tells us to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Um I'm gonna invite the band back up and we're gonna head towards the close. And I just want to say, if if you've been afraid that confessing your sin or revealing your failures or your weaknesses or your anxieties will cause others to judge you, God wants to release you from that. If you've ever believed that your sin means that you're worthless, God wants you to know that your worth was settled a long time ago. God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. The peace that God promises us and offers us is not dependent on our circumstances. It doesn't mean that everything will become perfect or that all of our problems will be instantly resolved, but that even in the midst of seemingly out-of-control life circumstances, we can rejoice in God's faithfulness. We can experience his perfect peace, and we don't have to be consumed by anxiety, and we don't have to fix it all on our own. We just agree with him and surrender our lives and worries to him. I read this quote, says, you are afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control. But you never had control. All you had was anxiety. Um, So whatever you're anxious about in everything, marriage, singleness, parenting, if there's conflict or trauma, your sin or the sins of others that have hurt you, God desires to receive all of those concerns. So I want to close and I want to open up this time for you to respond to God if you have worries big or small God has an incredible deal for you today he wants you to release them to him and in return he is waiting to show you his faithfulness and his goodness and pour out his peace over your life um, so my prayer is that you would have an encounter with the living God he's here for you and he's here in this room